to Seize the GM. I'm your host, Zended. I am your co-host, Jules. And I'm Garda Moje. Have you ever had a great idea for a campaign? Do you have a group of friends who want to play an RPG, but you have no one to run it? Do you want to see what the world is like behind the GM screen instead of in front of it? Well, we're here to help you do just that. Each week, the three of us will be discussing various GMing topics, terminology, maps, atmosphere, world building, you name it. So sit back and relax. Let us help you. Improve your art of GMing. One show at a time. Welcome back to another episode of Season GM. Are you excited? I'm excited. Are you excited? I'm not excited. <laughs> you should be excited. Get hype. <laughs> I'm a little mellow. I am. I am too. I am a little mellow. The heat broke. I, I'm freaking thrilled about that. It's been over a hundred degrees last week. Yeah. This is this is something that never happens. I actually sweated. I never <laughs> sweat. I'm not kidding. It's weird. It's. You guys have seen me. It's like it's ninety. It's like ninety degrees out. Yeah. And it's just like I'm not even sweating. I'm like I'm fine. This actually made me sweat. It got over a hundred. Yeah. It. Uh, I needed this. This uh, heat break. Yeah, it has been unusually chilly the last few days, like eighty three, eighty four. Oh my god. I'm, uh, I'm yeah. a little jealous of all of you because the heat has not broken here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I also took uh hate me, hate me so much, but I they had a uh I I I know Joel I uh oh god. I got a uh an email saying that Scotty Vest is doing a Apollo 11th sale 30% off. So I'm like, "Oh." And I'm like, "Well, Garmanger doesn't." Well, I'm like, "No, fuck it. I'm the one wearing them. He's not wearing a skirt." So I went out and bought some more so I could have pockets everywhere because I'm going to Gen Con. By the time you hear this, you will, will have be been to Gen Con. Con. Yeah. Look for somebody that has way too many pockets. And, yeah. I, I, you know, for me, finding something that fits and that I like doesn't. But but I got, like, pockets so many. I'm so excited. <laughs> It's going to make, a, I'll be honest, it'll make plane travel a lot easier because all i got to do is, like, unzip the vest and pop it on the the conveyor belt rather than have to worry about emptying all my iron pockets. <laughs> it does make it easier. Interestingly practical, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so, you know, I can, I have my carry-on luggage, but in the, ve- I'm going to, I'm going to call it the vest of many things at this point. You know, I could have, oh, here's my vape juice and here's my this and that and the other, like, everything. So it's just yeah. like. And I can keep them all organized. <laughs> Yay! Yep. Yeah. So hopefully I'll see some of you guys at Gen Con. If not, um, well, if then. not, you should find all of us on social media. Their links are at the bottom of the doodly doo. But you can find all of us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, pages on Facebook, and even a Patreon. Yes. Shameless with self plugs. It's of course. <laughs> Well, of if course. we do them now, then then when we we unleash the episode of this, you know, the actual topic that we're going to be talking about, and just dive right into this thing because we're going to be doing nothing but a whole bunch of stat blocks for you guys. And I hate that, you all. 
<laughs> That's right. It is the return it, of the Stat Blockapalooza. Part three. Trace? <laughs> That's right. All of you out there listening along, do you know what time it is? That's right. It is Stat Block time, and not just Stat Block time, but Stat Blockapalooza. Which means we have lined up for you a collection of bevy of the most enticing, interesting, and dare I say, creative stat blocks around. I literally yeah, just saw you, a monster truck just drive through my office. Yeah, <laughs> I think something jacked up my my dreamscape here because now I'm just I, I'm actually having like a Godzilla with wheels, kind of like you know, sun, and screaming out Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. It's like, damn you, Gardemanger. You're welcome. It's a, it's a interesting choice of words there you picked, yeah. because we did go through a different set of themes for stat blocks, and the first one is kaiju. Oh yeah, yeah. This, and this comes no. from from our lovely Null's brain, because of course, who doesn't love giant ones? monsters? Uh, I do. I, I love them. I was saying, who doesn't love them? Now, one other thing for those of you listening along out there. Each of us also tried to do a person, a place, and a thing in the three different themes the other members picked here. So I, I cheated. I couldn't. <laughs> I, I stretched it a little bit myself, but you know. I so didn't, man. I nailed all three of them. So I'll start <laughs> well, with the kaiju. One of mine was getting. Yeah. The kaiju uh, is a place. Of... A place. Planck's constant battlefield. It wasn't that long ago that the Earth looked doomed. It isn't just that there is a painful and difficult fight against a monster that had no human comprehension. It was that the very act of resistance was killing the planet. The Chloromidians' green bodies were constantly emitting a radiation that poisoned the Earth and the rest of the humans. When we could marshal a defense and defeat one, it would as often as not lay waste to the surrounding area as it fought, and then explode in a poisonous glass cl- gas cloud that would encircle the globe. Underground bunkers could only last so long and hold so many. The PCB project, jokingly called Planck's Constant Battlefield, was a last-ditch effort that worked. Or did for now. Superstring theory broke down in the presence of the Chloromidians, and that was the key to, well, not defeating them so much as buying enough time to save the species and maybe the planet. You see, the PCB is a pocket dimension. One where the chloromidians and their radioactive stench can be shunted, but only in close proximity. If we fight them head-on, we can take them off this planet and face them on PCB where their radiation doesn't kill us. There's still a lot of questions about the PCB and about how its form is found, because a pocket dimension shouldn't really have the mass that that's reported there. Uh, the generators to engage the PCB failsafe are so massive we had to build mechs and tanks to carry them around to get even barely close enough to trigger the activation. But it's a place to stash these creatures. And even if they defeat our valiant warriors, they remain locked away in the PCB since they can't trigger the return. What none outside the elite cadre of warriors in the highest echelons of humanity has been told is that some after-action reports have described the edge of the PCB. It's actually a limited space, bounded by what looks like rough-hewn stone stadium seating. That's so cool. Fun. I, I, I just I wanted to have like an entire rule set built around yeah. this concept. Yeah. It also lends itself to a mobile game design. Yeah, it does. <laughs> That's yeah. true, too. I didn't think of that. Oh. 
That is so cool. <laughs> that is too cool. Well, in that case, uh, Kaiju being continuing the theme, Zen, why don't you go? Uh, okay. Wings stretched wide to make the shadow that fell on them seem massive. Creature looked similar to a vulture as it circled the city high above, riding the thermals. The height that Hagataka could reach was so high that it seemed like just a regular vulture. Then as it dove from above the city, its wings seemed to stretch out behind him like a black cloak. When he was about a kilometer from the city, he snapped his wings out and beat them once hard creating a wave of wind and energy that actually leveled three buildings and swayed two dozen more, close, so close to the point of collapse. Then, without a pause, he flew off to a different section of town. The populated sections looked like ants to him. Ants, at his dinner, was annoying, so he screamed. With that, the people that were close enough to him actually fell over dead from a strange, rotting disease. Then as he settled down to clear away the towers, in his way, something struck his side. It burned, whatever it was, but it, it was short-lived. And he drove his beak into a building, looking for something to eat under the concrete and glass skin of the building. Then the impact of... Several large things hitting him had him pulling his head out of the building. Once a portion of his neck had cleared the building, though, the double impact of Corey's hunting gun severed the head from the body. As the small frame ran up the monster, pulling a trophy of a man-sized feather off of it, dragging behind it a hunk of meat the size of a duffel bag as she made her way back to her car, and heading back, and then headed back to the hunters club, writing the kanji for vulture in its blood on the back window. <sighs> It'll have to do, she thought, till she has more time to do it right. Nice. Nice. I like it. Evocative. <laughs> oh man, now you're leaving me to, to, to bring it home. I hate you. <laughs> I hate you so much. <clears throat> it's good for you. <laughs> All right. Ancient monsters from ancient times. Terrors made of fire and metal. Radioactive abominations that destroy cities with a single step. We know the stories. We play the video games. We watch the films. We love and fear them. We cheer them on in epic battles, and we hide our faces when they rampage, but peek through our fingers all the same. Kaiju have become a part of our zeitgeist and vernacular. We love them, and we fear them. If only we knew what our obsession with monsters would unleash. It started just a few years ago. Colossal shadows moving across buildings with no source. Unearthly screams that have multiple sources. Earthquakes of incredible magnitude, but have an empty epicenter on top of the Earth's crust. Unexplained power surges that have plunged cities into darkness for days on end. Structures bending and folding, crushed under some strange force. It's been getting worse. Then the children started whispering and pointing. 
Over time, the whispers became whimpers. The pointing became death grips around the parents' hands, cowering in terror from an amorphous behemoth shrouded to more mature eyes. Then the others started to see. The security guard on the graveyard shift, high school and college students pulling an all-nighter. Long-distance haulers, new parents, barflies saddling their tabs at last call. They all started talking about a colossal monster. Their descriptions were all incredibly vague, and the more they tried to recall, the more the details slipped away. They're left with only wisps of detail and a primal terror. Now the sightings are increasing. Almost everyone has reported seeing it. The earthquakes are happening with increasing frequency. Shadows at times engulf skyscrapers. The screams have evolved into a cacophonous symphony. Low growls mixed with the whine of metal on metal. Heavy breathing entwined with high-pitched shrieks. And the origin was a phenomenon. And the origin of this phenomenon was a mystery. Until about a week ago. You see, there was a large study being held at NIH, testing the efficacy of some experimental treatment for PTSD. And when analyzing the data, an intern noticed something in the EEG. When the subjects entered REM and NREM sleep, the noises got louder. The magnitude of the earthquakes increased. Damage to the surrounding area grew exponentially. And the power grid is still down today. That poor intern had the distinction of being the one to identify the instrument of our own extinction. And he got to name it. Parasomnia. And we created it. We brought this kaiju out of the realm of dreams and into our world. The demons of our darker nature made manifest. And it took a form the whole world would find terrifying and be nigh impossible to defeat. And will only get stronger as time goes on. You see... We all have to sleep sometime. <laughs> Fun. Nice. Thank you. Nighttime kaiju. <laughs> well, everyone was doing something physical, so I'm like, let's make something that you can't really describe. Okay, how can I do that? Yeah, totally. Well, thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. So what are we doing next? No, tell us, tell us what we should talk about. And, and scare about. Well, I believe our next theme covers disco of all things. <laughs> Zen, you picked this, and you got it. Yes, I did. I totally picked disco because everybody else had. I wanted something that was going to be a bit of a challenge to try to mix in with some of these other things. It actually, wasn't for me, but <laughs> and. Well, because originally we had talked about trying to make everything kind of weave each of our stat blocks, try to weave them all together. And mm-hmm. Disco is one that would have thrown for a, kind of a crazy loop. So It did. <laughs> yeah. But hey, hey, for me, it, it allowed me to, to kind of go back to a lot of the music my dad used to play, and I still remember a lot of it. So that was awesome. Okay. Well, then why don't you go ahead and start us off then? Oh, bite me. <laughs> All right. I just did one. I hate you guys. I know. All right. Okay. <clears throat> this is Mr. Good Vibes. What it is, what it is. Take a load off. Y'all copacetic? So what brings you cats to my crib? Totem quest. You've been looking for me. Ah, oh, you're wondering where I went and what happened to me. It's a long story, you dig? Well, I really came onto the scene in the 1970s. At least that's when I remember when I became self-aware, you know? 
I matured quickly. It was such an insane decade. My heartbeat became the heartbeat of that decade, and the world moved to my rhythm. Their music was my anthem, and their, and their lyrics were whispers of worship. Their dances were my rituals. And I grew. I thrived, and I was everywhere in everything. But you know what they say, don't you? A candle that burned twice as bright dies twice as quickly. And I just didn't maintain it. I couldn't maintain it. But I didn't disappear, didn't I? Oh, you still hear me, don't you? Oh, not as I was. But you hear my beats in the bands of today. In the tunes of Daft Punk and Tupperware Remix Party. My guitar licks are in the music of rage, as well as my defiance against the man. She, there's still musicians who takes my samples whole cloth and remix them into something new. And there are those that still keep my music alive. George Clinton, the Parliament Funkadelic, performing in the movie PCU. Quentin Tarantino films integrated my apostles, Cool in the Gang, and Al Green, introducing me to a new generation. So, child, disco ain't dead. Disco diversified. So you all better recognize you ain't bone jacket with the power of fa- with a power of a fading spirit. You still want to hang with me? You all follow my rhythm. You all obey my rules. Can you dig it? <laughs> that is awesome. Now, now, uh, if if this was a movie, the only person that can voice this is Samuel L. Jackson. God damn it. <laughs> That's not who I had in my head. Idris Elba no. can do it as well. I yeah. also, I've got a few good. options. I wouldn't mind Kevin Conroy voicing it, but, you know, I'll say that about <laughs> Kevin anything. Conroy's awesome. He can voice anything. He's Batman. Exactly. <laughs> Except Superman. Then you have to have George Newbern. I agree. Well, <laughs> come on. You go next, then. You go next, man. Okay. Bell Bottoms of Buoyancy. It's a thing. The great thing about disco is that it doesn't hide what it is or what it was. Loud, fast, and full of energy, the disco world is a bright spot in a dark world that is covered in grime, crime, and political meltdowns. Dance the night away. Let your heart race and your feet tap in time to the funky music. The magic that permeates disco is what holds the world together, you see. And the bell-bottoms of buoyancy are an outlet to that infectious and gleeful sound that moves so many. A brightly colored, though... Can't really pin down the exact shade until you pick them up. The bell bottoms fit you tightly through the thigh, but then expand like the beautiful dancing queen attire they are. You hardly notice anything odd about them as you dance the night away, but after a night where the fun went too far, you realize they helped you stay alive. When you were thrown off the wharf, it was going to be a soggy time. You didn't realize that Jimmy wanted that loan repaid quite so soon, but that's the way he liked it. What he didn't know, and you just found out, was that the bell bottoms opened up. And the LeMay flared, leaving you walking on water. No, dancing on air. So long as you can keep your feet moving and your spirits lifted, the bell bottoms will keep your body lifted with it. You can fly as high as the sky, breathing the whole time, and turn a backflip like nobody's out business in the club. Now, while you may be the envy of the fern bar, something has begun to leave you feeling upside down, and your dreams have been riddled in the night fever with visions of a black leather jacket studded with spikes and safety fins smothering your beloved buoyancy bell-bottoms. You know it's time to shake your groove thing and defend the upbeat syncopation of disco against this new challenger. <laughs> delightful! Delightful! Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. see what you did to... Yes! <laughs> that was awesome! 
I was trying to see if I could get any of you to laugh or chuckle or, or break while I was doing it. I, oh, I, no, I had, oh, I had oh, my, muted my mic. <laughs> <laughs> well, not just time. that, but no, the thing is, like, I, I try and listen intently, especially when you guys do creative stuff, so I'm just like, all right, maintain. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. I will bring us home. Woo! The Spirited Mural. This one's a plot device. So, dang person, your call. The mural appears at random location, going where it's needed. It depicts soft purple lights and ancient stone architecture with nine unique human dancers. All the dancers wear flowing dresses and stylized accessories. And when music is played around the mural, the dancers will begin to move to the rhythm of the sound. Somber song, soft orchestration, with slower-paced music grants the viewer light visions of the message the mural is attempted to convey. But when a music with a faster tempo... Especially songs considered dance music in the region the mural appears. Does a mural truly come alive? One by one, the dancers will begin to exit the art piece and begin dancing a rhythmic pattern with one another. If someone observes a dance, they can make an insight check to understand the meaning of the message the mural is attempting to convey. If they join the dance, they will immediately understand the message. But they got to make a willpower check to see if they can break away from the dance. Or become a part of the spirited mural itself. Once a day, when spirited music is played for the mural and dancers can exit it, trapped victims can attempt another will save to see if they can break free. Otherwise, should a trapped dancer fail three times, they will forever become a part of the spirited mural. Wicked. Cool. Wicked. Nice. nice. Uh, I will totally admit hat tip to the opening of Xanadu for that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could also see the uh, the opening to Hercules. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah, with them all dancing on the, the pots. Well, both both use this, uh, the concept of muse yeah. as a form of inspiration. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Right. So... so. That brings us to our third theme, doesn't it? It does. That's me, ain't it? It is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I decided to go with, because I uh, I live in the realm of nightmares, so let's go with cute carnivorous. (laughs) And uh, I want Gautamanger to go first. Ah, carnivorous cute, cute carnivorous. The incomparable and unmentionable Lord Shrithlintiko. It is a quiet harvest this year. Uh, the winter was mild enough to not stretch the stores, while the spring and summer provided the right amount of rain and wind to ensure the crops were harvested in a bountiful and timely manner. It's a year that will go down in the history of the land. Uh, but sadly, not for this fortuitous occurrence. The good fortune was not, it seems, fortuitous, but called forth. Now, the incomparable and unmentionable lord was besieged for aid and for his succor in the time of need. A generation ago, it was easy to understand why. The children had been slowly dying year after year, and it was only when they gave their offerings and made their pledges that the youth returned to health, and even saw the fertility of the residences rebound. The babies were cherubic and their round faces with adorable, bright, big eyes. They were the symbol of rebirth for the village and for the future. Celebrations were had as each crop slowly improved its yield. The babes held the power, though. The incomparable and unmentionable lord does not come for you 
brazenly in the light of day, nor slink through the cover of darkness to take away what is owed or destroy the transgressors. The incomparable and unmentionable does what the other celestial beings can't or won't. Those babes were the carriers. With each coup and each smile, one more resident fell under the toll to be paid. It's the joy and comfort that was bought. The grain came for free. Every time you smile at one of those babies, a piece of your soul is claimed. Every time you hold one, pray that you notice the pound of flesh that is no longer yours. Dark as hell. I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. Oh, evil is cute and adorable and has chubby cheeks. <laughs> and every time it makes you smile, you lose your soul. I love it. That's I love fun. it. I love it. That is I can good. Do, see, I can do dark, too. Yeah. Yes. Just, just don't as often. <laughs> uh, well, Noel, why don't you show us what you've got next? All right. Seating grenade. It's a thing. We should have never taught the damn pixies alchemy. <laughs> Everything they touch, it's, it's, it's all to fuel their humor, their schemes, their games. And, and this thing, this little piece of sod and flowers wrapped into a sphere, it, it's one of the worst. It smells like a bath bomb, all lilacs, lavender, and a hint of mint. But I've seen what it can do to a mortal. I've seen how it twists them. With a tug on the right stem, this thing becomes armed. Petals wiggle, the grass shifts in the hand, the soil begins to weep green tears, and the smell, oh, the smell of rich, deep summer air fills the air. So rain fills the air. Aim for the chest if hitting the target is the goal. Aim for the head if mercy is desired. But with the pixies, it never was. The struck limb changes almost immediately as grenade latches on. Vines of bark, leaves, and grass blades latch against the skin and armor. They cut deep. The target withers and twists as bones become branches and nerves become roots. It's over fast, and before you, a grass man is formed. Sheathed in pink and violet, reeking of spring. The worst cruelty? The fruit these figures spawn. A treat for the pixies to feast on. That was amazing! Amazing! Nice. I love the phrase reeking of spring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Okay. Alright, bring us home. Hamura Yuki, or Cory. The slim figure of a girl crawling on the kaiju that had fallen was. Distracting. Almost no one was around after the fall of one. Homura was different, though. Losing her family at a young age to these monsters has been known to having a, dir- a disturbing effect on individuals. As she says, though, a girl's got to eat. After she had mourned the loss of her family, she only had to wait for what felt like days. Sure enough, Something else came crawling out of the ocean to attack her home. She had had her fill the, t- the first time. Hunters started showing up almost by the time the first building was crushed. She had had enough of this. At the age of 19, she was a Harajuku girl. Dressed in her best Lolita outfit, she trailed after the hunters. 
At first, they didn't take her seriously, and really, who would? Till she learned to drive and track. After that, she learned to shoot. Not only was she a fast learner, she never seemed to forget why she was learning this. At last, the day came when she was back in her old home, and a new one came digging its way out from under the city. The tracking was quick. This was a big, mean one. GGGG. Only the size of a city block. She was the first on the scene, and she pulled out the hunter's rifle she had with her. The shot blew part of the head off, which threw it into a fit, and she got the second off, the second shot off to finish it. She had gotten to the, down to see what had happened, and about that time, others started showing up. And here she was in her cute anime cosplay. The other hunters had her finish the ritual of the first kill, which is to drink a small amount of the blood. In her, it had turned into something she does every time. Or make dinner for herself from pieces of it. Very nice. I am imagining I'm imagining like some cute little adorable something like out of like like a fruits basket anime at like super uh-huh. adorbs. Yes. And yeah, okay. And I'm just gonna take a bite of that yam. Yeah. Yep. That's awesome. All right. So this takes us to our fourth and final theme of the evening. Oh. Got him on, Jay? Hot rods and hot nights. It was uh, something that was a little off the wall, even with things like disco and kaiju in the uh, options here. And I wanted to see what my friends could come up with. And, you know, little bits of inspiration for this can be found across gaming and across cultures. So, for Hot Rods and Hot Nights, what you got? I'm not going first. So I went last, then first. <laughs> I haven't gone first yet. I'll do it. All right. Ribbon March. It's a place. The council gave up police in Ribbon March some time ago. The mortals kept the city, but left the neighborhood to the rest of us. Their world-weary plans kept them focusing outbound, but the clubs and streets of the march never talked politics, never talked trade, never talked business, except the business at hand. And that was the dance, and that was the songs, that was the games. Oh, business changed over the century because as boring as mortals are, they are not useless. They always brought us such toys, ideas, experiences, new music, new risk, new speed. And that's where we finally let them put in the roads. The hard ones with the shiny paint and pebbles on them. Because of the new fast toys, we could drive on them. Oh, those summer nights with the winds in our hair and blowing our wings back. Let the silly mortals have their streets during the day. But at night, we own Ribbon March. We own these streets. And any who dare join us, well, they best be ready to dance. They best be ready to drive. Cool. Wicked. I might have went with a Faye theme for the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, that, that's okay. Sometimes you need that. Mm-hmm. Oh, All right. Up next, yours. Oh, God. 
All right. The heat is dry in the Nevada desert. The waves of the sunset glow crimson and violet. The rock formations and vegetation throw long shadows across the empty freeway. There's a still excitement in the air. A low roar in the distance vibrates the desert flora. The shadows dance. The dust whirls. A small black dot on the horizon comes into view. And a large churning cloud follows it. A sleek black 62 Chevrolet Corvette C1 convertible comes into view. Tires tear up the road, ejecting a plume behind it. Yet, strangely, the car remains spotless as it moves through the still Nevada dusk. The taillights lead trails of crimson as the convertible tears through at breakneck speed. Being evil has a price by the heavy young heathens. Shatters the hot Nevada silence. The car swerves off the main road and down a cleverly hidden dirt path. The driver moves the car with an unearthly skill and grace. The car doesn't slow down or fishtail as it turns onto this dirt road, and the music is barely audible over the roar of the engines. The car speeds onwards to its destination. In about ten minutes, the car slides to a smooth stop in front of a gate. The driver steps out of his car in an immaculate three-piece suit and retrieves a square cardboard box in the passenger seat. He walks up to the gate with a wry smile and catches the gaze of a guard. Lieutenant, I brought your order. Giordano's signature deep dish pizza. Chicago classic. The guard is surprised and takes the pizza from the blonde gentleman with a smile. He's like, wow, you really weren't kidding. Delivering of anything anywhere, bet your soul. The well-dressed delivery driver flashes a smile of celestial magnitude. Indeed. The delivery man returns to his Corvette, rubs the engine, and speeds away with a carefree wave. And as the dust settles, a single black feather floats haplessly to the ground. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Fun. I, like I said, damn you, Gardamanja, yours was the hardest because I was shit about cars. <laughs> So the, 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 the thing as I was reading Snow Crash, uh-huh. I was I, reading Snow I Crash, Hell, I, I had been reading Snow Crash, Hellblazer, and the 30th anniversary of the Sandman, so that's what I came up with. <laughs> Love it. Nice. That is funny. <laughs> we take All right. Hunter Zuku Rabo, or The Hunter's Club. The roar of tuned motors filled the night air. The collection of cars and trucks that lined the roads were a crazy kaleidoscope of colors and light and sound. While the summer heat rises, it brings the monsters out. The club of drivers got together in large groups to run the streets of the southern cities, waiting. Waiting for what, you ask? Why the kaiju to come out, of course. So many cars and trucks were tuned to be able to run fast and drift around to let the passengers get in a position to be able to hunt these beasts. There were others as well, big trucks and food trucks, as well as repair vehicles, a few places there to drink. At first, folks thought they were just kids running the streets causing trouble, until they started to see older folks as well as the younger. Once they became an official group hunting the kaiju, they were given special privileges. Since the hunting season is only during the summer, they had months to train and practice and repair and build what they need. Each area of the country has its own club 
but we were the first, and we have the right to call ourselves Hansuzuku Rabu, or Hunter's Club. We set the standard that all the rest have tried to follow, and our turf is the Tokyo Metroplex area. Let all that come here fear us, and our new leader, Nico, and his girlfriend, Corey. Nice. <laughs> Tied together. Right? <laughs> yep. Well, I don't know if you guys uh, had fun with this, but I know I did. I feel like an entire system could just be made to combine all these into mm. the setting of these hunter clubs who, who who steal these generators to trap the kaiju <laughs> and then step into that dimension and kill the hi- kaiju and bring out parts to sell and make money. Like, yes. I, I can see this whole setting just, just yeah. evolving from all of these. You know what? You never know. We might have so, to... Uh, <laughs> we might have to do something like this. Find us on Patreon. Donate a few dot bucks a month and see whether or not we can help bring this dream to a reality. Mm-hmm. Are you least, sure you want to do that? Or at least a favorite dream that we wake up from dripping in sweat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I come up, usually if you're asking me to come up with a monster, I will come up with something jacked, and you knew that. <laughs> uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Y'all knew that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That, that was kind of the point. It was fun. <laughs> I yeah. figured the rest of you would do, you know, actual kaiju kaiju. So I was like, I want to build a place. And then the rest of it all kind of, you know, the Planck's constant battle joke. And <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, it just kind of oh, yeah. came together. Oh, yeah. Yep. But since we have uh, gone through a huge and... Amazing, fantastic stats, block a palooza. Including the echoes, ye gods. Exactly, we have yeah. talent. We're going to skip the usual two segments that would come next and go right to our closing remarks. Okay. I'm going to go first. And that is because. We found out this week that we had just lost a great science fiction and fantasy actor who has also done a lot of other great things. Don't get me wrong. Um, we lost Rucker Howard this week. Um, and you know what? I think he is, he is really underrated, but I, I picked two old movies that he was in. Um, and one was Lady Hawk, and the other is the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. Well, yeah, the one with Luke Perry, who also recently passed away. Yeah. And, you know, Paul Rubens is in it, and you have, uh, the first appearance of Brandon Fraser. Mm-hmm. Is in that movie. Yep, so. Yep. But yeah, there's, there's, it's, both of them are actually, and Lady Hawk was, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer, you know, and, uh, Matthew Broderick, and so many other great actors too. So. Oh yeah. They're both really, really good movies, and 
you know, everybody's going to be like, oh, go see, you know, Blade Runner, watch Blade Runner. He was in well, a lot of other things, watch too. Blade Runner. Well, yeah. well, that's absolutely something you should do. Yes, you should. There's but... a whole body of work, including one that we have not mentioned, and even I skipped, which is Split Second. Yes. Oh, that's good. Yes. Because he was I, I actually, was... he was actually also in a movie that I suggested in the last episode. And I'm not going to say which one it is, so you have to go watch all three of the movies that I suggested. Yeah, and also, uh, here's a little thing, you know, based on the Blade Runner thing, you know, because <clears throat> at least for me, that was my first introduction to Rucker Howard. There's a video game called Observer, um, where pretty much what he does is he is able to jack into other people's brains and relive their memories. It's this incredible cyberpunk effect, but he's doing this, this old kind of grizzled, you know, cop investigator, so he's kind of switched places with, with Deckard. Yeah. So, you know, if, if you Blade Runner and then you can watch him, you know, at, he made it only like a couple years ago and they, he did like mocap for it, like facial mocap. It's amazing. And he voiced the whole thing. It's great. That's cool. Yeah. That is cool. Well, I had come into this actually planning to recommend Lady Hawk. And so since you took that recommendation and have already made it. I'm going to go in the other direction of, of kind of fun and neat and recommend that you go to the link in the doodly-doo and watch about 20 minutes worth of the Power Rangers anniversary team-up battles. Yes, those Power Rangers, and yes, they've been around for over 20 years. And so there are team-ups that happen between the different years of Rangers where they all kind of flow together into a larger continuity, which is worthy of a different show and different episode, as well as the differences and similarities to uh, their under, as I underlying source material. But the 20 minutes worth of team-ups that range from the 10-year to the 15-year to the uh, big super anniversary one that had some of just about every season a few years ago. Uh, odds are, if you ever watched Power Rangers, you had a favorite, and somewhere in those 20 minutes, you're going to see your favorite kicking butt. <laughs> Red Ranger Forever was still a fun episode. It's got yeah. the final. It's it's got the final fight from Red Ranger Forever to to open it up. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. And you will see how one particular person continues to play Rangers and be involved in the world. I couldn't nice. imagine who you might be talking about. Five different ranger teams. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> but, Jules. All right. Well, um, I've been battling insomnia because I've been working so much, and then I come home to de-stress. When I'm finally de-stressed, it's time to wake up again, so I haven't been really sleeping much. So I'm like, all right. I'm got, It's like, all right, screw this. I'm writing this theme all the way home. And I picked up on Amazon on my Kindle the 30th anniversary of the Sandman comics, and when I started reading that, then I was like, aha, gotcha, Gardemanger, I got a way to do this now. <laughs> like I said, I know diddly and squat about cars. All I know is you turn them on and they're supposed to go. But um, for me, I mean, that is, that's is—that's fodder for so many different games. And since, you know, my my genre is horror, you know, and it plays I love that it. well. Yeah, but the other thing is also this is the introduction of Lucifer. Mm-hmm. And and it's probably one of the coolest things you ever see in this where where it's it's more where where you actually get to see like the the paradise lost, you know, the the sympathetic 
Satan versus the, the, the creepy monster with horns and, you know, fur everywhere. This guy, and he's, he's a blonde guy and, you know, you're like, wow, okay. So it's yeah. kind of neat to see that version. I'm, I, I, I like that. And it's, and just the stories go on and, and it's just so good. So. Yeah. If you haven't had a chance to read them, they were, I know they were super big in the 90s. Um, but, you know, Neil Gaiman, he, he's come up with so many good things, but for a lot of us, our first introduction to him was Sandman Comics. You know, you know, he, he did like the Terry Pratchett team up. He's done like so many other amazing things, but, you know, go, it's like, that's where I know like a lot of us children of the 90s, that's where we first found him. Yeah. Yeah. Though if if you are a uh a fan of his um there's a there's a book that was written not by him that feels so like his stuff and that is The Thief of Always by Clive Barker. Oh, I it's, have- it's a fable. Like, like Sandman like. Yeah. So. It's, oh, that book is so good. I still have a copy of it too. Yeah, it's, it's really good. And it, it plays into that whole like Sandman kind of weird, ephemeral, fabliness that is those comics. So yeah. No, you got anything? Nope, I've been spending all week writing and writing and writing and writing. The uh, the word minds are getting pretty deep. <laughs> okay, fine. We'll let you slide this time. It's not like one of us has actually, you know, written a book or anything. <laughs> Whatever. I think you've already written one just in your stat block, or in your uh, character write-ups. <laughs> Probably have, <laughs> if not two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so go check those is, out, guys. Yeah. The fun part is the card catalogs are now beginning to become iterative, where the edition wars for riffs, which by now should have wrapped <laughs> up, fingers crossed, when you're listening to this and, and I've gotten it done. So they're advancing their storyline in the world, as well as me showing how they change between editions and advancing them in levels. So they're beginning to build on each other, and the superheroes are all, even though different systems, coming out of the same universe in the head, so you can start seeing a larger story unfold across decades. Yep. I need help. <laughs> you have it. We've given you an outlet to write in. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. That doesn't help with the writing part. That's an enabling. <laughs> yes. It's helping. It's helping to enable it. Uh, I know what I'm doing here. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Okay. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Please remember, you can find all of us on Facebook or in our Facebook group, on Instagram, on Twitter. There is even a um, Pinterest page. Yes. yes. And Discord. Page and a Tumblr and, of course, the Discord. And so find the links in the doodly-doo or on SeizeTheGM.com. Join and chat with us on our <laughs> Facebook page or Give us a few bucks on Patreon to help us create more content for you. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, have fun. Keep playing games. And keep cool and hydrate, people. I don't care who you are, how old you are. Keep drinking water. It's hot up there. Write more, create more.
contact us or the show using Twitter, Facebook, or plain old email. Our Twitter accounts are at Zenged, at Jules Podcaster, and at 2050 Gardemanger. And the show's Twitter account is at Seize the GM. You can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Seize the GM. Or chat with us and other RPG lovers in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Seize the GM. You can email questions or comments to the show at admin at seize the GM.com. And if you have a few bills you want to send us, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash Seize the GM podcast. And we thank you. joining us for this episode of CCGM. Feel free to leave a comment about this episode on our webpage, www.seizethegm.com. Let the dice fall where they may, and we'll see you all again next week. Seize the GM is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. All copyrighted materials referenced herein are held by their respective owners. No infringement intended and no claim of ownership is implied. The music for the show is Dreaming Spirit off the album Ghost Machine by the Enigma TNG. His music is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. 